where I literally saw a person like in their 60s with their ass out standing next to children. I was like, that offends most people, I think. We have AI! It's AI! Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! What's it gonna do everything? It's gonna do everything! It's gonna do nothing! It's gonna do all the things! I'm gonna get so rich on this! It is intelligent! The Social Psycho Confabulation with Ben and Mr. A. Oh my God. No, no. Stop. Say it it again. Stop touching your microphone. You're like, let me tell you about. (laughs) I think it. (laughs) Oh my God. I think that only works on video. Excuse me. Oh my god, there it is again. There we go. Let me swirl it around in front of my mouth. I think it was Bill O'Reilly who said, uh, who started the We'll Do It Live. Oh, oh. Tomorrow, and that is it for us today, and we will leave you with a... I can't do it. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! I'll write it, and we'll do it live! thing sucks that's tomorrow and that is it for us today I'm Bill O'Reilly thanks again for watching we'll leave you with Sting and a cut off his new album take it away who is Bill O'Reilly you know Bill O'Reilly I mean you've seen him that was him young oh my god I don't know if you can tell by that picture that's him that's him young now he's like an old guy older guy Oh but he's pretty professional. I mean, other than the f bombs, but the professional ability to uh, be looking at the teleprompter and going, "That is not readable text," and uh, we have no time left. So I'll do- he said, "I'll write it and I'll do it live." <laughs> and then he did it. He did it great. He did a great job. <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. So we are doing it live. We're doing Good it live. Morning. Fuck it. Oh my god. Um. Good morning, and welcome back to the studio. We were off for some time to recover and celebrate the holidays. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> to, we had to celebrate uh, uh, to Pride and uh, Father's Day and Juneteenth, all the important holidays. Right, right. Um. So, yes, but anyway, we're back now, and we're we're going to talk about AI, because we talked about it before, but Mr. A didn't let me talk on the podcast, so (laughs) he didn't want to As it turns out. No, I don't, neither one of us realized it until I went to edit it, and I could not find anything, any audio waveform for Ben. It was just, "Mm." mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking, and then me just cutting you off. (laughs) (laughs) I was very tired that day, apparently. If you were tired, it was not simply that. It was a combo of you being tired and me being absolutely on crack. So (laughs) I had a lot to say on the subject. All right. Um, Well, yeah, what do we have to say about it? So AI, what is artificial intelligence? The biggest thing I've heard recently is that 
basically what's going on with this ChatGPT nonsense, all of this stuff, is that it's applied statistics. And that well, really, we're just calling it AI because it's sexy. Okay? And really, it's just applied statistics. And if we started calling it what it was, people would not be so feverishly buying stocks and selling their children and whatever they're doing. Who knows? Right. So a question would be like, is, okay, AI means artificial intelligence. And here's we've the heard this. Right. Here, here's the one I want. And we keep hearing this. I've noticed this weird little nuance that's popped up in the AI conversation. People keep saying AGI. Artificial general intelligence. Right. But I've also heard people say, and maybe they're just confused, like they're just wrong. They don't know what they're talking about. But I swear I've heard people say artificial generative intelligence. That's also a thing people are saying. Or I think typically people say GAI, generative artificial intelligence. As opposed to AGI, like are they, is that differentiated or do you think those people are just confused? Because they're like, oh, it's generating text, so it's a generative AI and I just don't know anything or... Yeah, I think those are different things, but I don't think the people who are using all these terms probably understand the differences. It's both. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But the generative just meaning that it's like creating some new or novel output or whatever. Right. So here's... So, artificial general intelligence, what they used to mean by general intelligence was kind of like, I mean, they meant by that essentially human-like intelligence. Because Mm. we can make like AI learning models and stuff. They can like do chess really well. You can read Gary Kasparov's Deep Thinking. He wrote this. And he's a little doomy about it. It's interesting. So, like, they create this. He was a chess player, like a world champion guy. Um, and he was the guy who eventually, you know, it took a long, it took, it actually took some iterations for, to get the uh, chess bot computer thing to beat him. And then essentially the whole book is kind of like, hey, once that thing beat me, it never lost to anyone ever again. But didn't it? I also feel like I heard a recent article that was like someone did win in a game against an in, AI. Against the true thing. It, it is. It's probably. So theoretically, it's possible. I guess. You know, and that's kind of the point. Or that's a point. It is possible, but it's unlikely. And it's like not up for question. I don't think whether or not that AI could just win the world chess championship over and over and over again. Oh, it was in Go. Okay, so it wasn't in Go chess, is a little but... more complicated. That was like the next thing they wanted to do was figure out how to do that for Go. Right. So they did train a model that beat all the people. But then recently in 2023, um, there was another person, a human player, who defeated a top-ranked AI system Um a surprise reversal of the 2016 computer victory. So theoretically, it's possible to win again, but maybe it too depends on the game. Like chess is very uh, 
Well, it's complicated, but it's also finite. Like the moves that you can do in chess are finite. I'm not actually sure how. But Go there's works. so there are so many moves though. Like there's right. I mean, there's so many. Like part of what a chess master does, that's what they call them, is they. I can't remember what they call the uh, what I'm describing, but basically like like setups. Like you like there's different, and they like even name them. So like if you mm, if yeah, I yeah. make this move, you make that move. I make then that's called you know whatever the royal the queen's I mean, pass or something, right, yeah. something, some word, some like phrase. Like that's a thing. So a lot of what these guys do is they can why they can become a master is they can first of all they are intelligent to, enough to see ahead multiple moves. They can guess what you're doing or get a gist of it and then think of maybe some variations you might try to trick them with. Right. But they are doing a lot of memorizing too, you know, just kind of like the difference Strategies. between learning a new word and trying to use that word when it's like you ha don't have a full grasp. And then eventually, like none of these words that I'm saying, I, I can say them all quickly. None of them are difficult for me to come up with. You know, they're just, right, I know right. them. I memorize these. It's so, like second nature to me. So anyway, so Gary Kasparov's whole, so he's a little doomy about it. He thinks that, okay, we did it with chess. Now do it, you know, a thousand times over with different skill sets, give it a body, whatever, you know, whatever different kind of scenarios you can come up with. And that, that's like this thing that they believe, or people like him believe that AI does. It like comes, it meets you, it meets the human ability and then surpasses it immediately. And then once mm -hmm. it surpasses mm -hmm. it, we never catch up as humans. Supposedly. Now, in those cases, I don't think chess... I mean, you might be able to say the AI is doing. So it's artificial general... Let's call it artificial general human intelligence. I don't know... So there's a, there's a thought that that chess machine is doing what people do just way faster and, and can go way further into the future and think of millions of possibilities within seconds or, you know, less than a second that can figure out any possible move set that's coming its way. So I'm wondering, well, we've already surpassed. It's almost like that's not the model that we're doing with this chat GPT stuff. That's a mm -hmm. different thing completely. I, I don't know the depth of the theory of the, of these language models, but if you were telling me now that it's statistical, which is ever, which is what people say it is, it's like it generates a word, the, right. and then what could come after that word, and it it figures that out. And there was when I was in philosophy classes, we did this. They gave this example, and this was like older technology, but basically, the this model they created sort sorted the like like letters and sounds and stuff like that. And it put it on this graph and I was looking at it and I noticed something about this graph. It's kind of difficult to describe the graph without seeing it, but it doesn't matter. Basically it was a visual representation of letters and you could see in the graph, just the way it was laid out that these letters over here were consonants and these letters over here were vowels, but the model didn't have a theory, didn't have an idea, doesn't didn't have the concept of vowels. That was never and given to it. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't know what that is. So even though it was able to 
sort them and go, these are these, these are letters that are different than these letters somehow. And then I even saw that it had like S would sometimes fall into the vowel side and it's rare and it showed to be rare, but you think of like in English tsunami isn't really an English word, but we it's, but it is because we use it and we don't do double consonants like that very often, like a T and then an S for tsunami. Mm-hmm. So then we don't even pronounce it. We say tsunami. Some people right. try to be weird and go tsunami. Pterodactyl, PT. Yeah, pter- pterodactyl, debet, debit, or whatever, you know, like debt or yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, but it's interesting that the model was even picking up on that. Like why, right, right. you know, A, E, I, O, U, and sometimes Y, and sometimes W, because we, it's used, that letter is used in that way sometimes. And it's sure. even possible, theoretically, that that model could have actually discovered things that we didn't even know about language, our own language, because it was just analyzing statistically, mm. essentially, what stuff is doing in the language. Yeah. Well, so to recap, so yeah. the AGI, that's sort of like general problem solving ability or something like how humans are able to navigate the world intelligently like able to solve problems manage new information yeah. new situations whereas the chess machine is specific to mm. chess and something a general intelligence so we call that like artificial chess intelligence a general intelligence would be able to be applied to something more than just chess <laughs> Got it. Okay. Or something. Yeah. Okay. So these large language models, though, yeah, they, I, as I understand them, work exactly like you were describing, sort of predicting the next best word. And I think it can do this um, on different levels of analysis. So, you know, like how does it understand grammar and whatnot? That is a little bit more nuanced, I think. Um, Like it can understand not just the next best word, but like understand. Uh, phrases and maybe sentences even. Um, so yeah. it, it's a little more complicated, but essentially it's predicting um, what would be most likely, which is why in the output that you get for these large language models, you get the things that are the most common uh, answers for the prompt that you're providing on the internet or whatever the database it's pulling from is. Yeah. So... <clears throat> Now we can talk about the Turing test. The Turing test, which I've mentioned many, many times, and there's a complicated version. Like, there's the way that people understand it is the oversimplified version, but it is essentially that if a computer could essentially trick you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. into thinking that it's human, this was done, this was devised, this theory, this test was come up with by Alan Turing. Back when, like, the computer output was literally like a strip of paper right, that just came right. out of this little printer machine, like literally a tiny, like, one-inch strip of paper, and that that was actually going to be the thing or some iteration of that was going to be the thing that could fool you. So you'd have right. to, in that case, think of it as, like, is a computer inputting this on its own or is someone in the other room telling it what to output? Right. Isn't there, yeah, there's a famous uh, philosophy argument by John Searle. I think this was in the 70s called the Chinese Room Experiment, which was like a rebuttal. Yeah, to I can't the... remember that. What was his? Oh, yeah. His, so his thing was 
you could give me all the information about Chinese. I don't know Chinese, but I could, with like infinite books and really fast access to all the information, I could put me in a box and I could output Chinese for you. Yes, sort of. So the the thought experiment that he wrote was kind of pointing out the flaw with the Turing test. So this goes all the way back to like the 70s, I think. So this like the Turing test has been in question for a long time as like a sufficient uh, test to determine intelligence, so to speak. Uh, Although it seems to be what we're relying on to start talking about things that are intelligent. But yes, right. We'll come back to that. Yeah. The Chinese room experiment, though, was like if you locked someone in a Chinese or (laughs) locked someone in a Chinese room, (laughs) just (laughs) locked someone in a room. And yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hunan chicken. There's little uh, finger traps. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. um, No. So if you gave someone instructions on how to translate say, English into Chinese characters, like you say, gave them a diagram or whatever, and then you, there were people on the outside of the room who weren't speaking to the person on the inside of the room who slipped pieces of paper under the door in English, and then the person used the diagram that translates you know, English characters into Chinese characters and then translated the messages and then slipped them back out under the door, he was saying that it is very probable that people on the outside would come to believe that there is a Chinese speaker inside the room, like someone who understands Chinese and can speak Chinese. And that would be a false conclusion. Like that's actually not necessarily true, that the person doesn't need to understand Chinese because, you know, as we just laid down the thought experiment, you could just give them a diagram of the character translations. And so he was saying that essentially like the Turing test could lead you to false conclusions like in that thought experiment. Yeah, and there's many... uh... Philosophy is such a wonderful field. So you can then you can pick apart his in any many you know any way you want. But I think when I was reading that, I started thinking, you know, this is back in like my philosophy days. That if you wanted to, to you know argue against Cyril's Chinese room experiment, you might start thinking, well, what about that? You're you are like something. If you're in that room, you're just some some part of it. So you don't experience the whole of knowing Chinese. But that box, that whole system that's going on in there, that actually does know Chinese. It can, or it can at least translate Chinese. You know, it it is intelligent on that in a level because how else would you measure it? You know that it's it's speaking Chinese to me. Like it knows Chinese. The box knows Chinese. Like there, what, how, what other tests could you ever come up with to determine whether or not something knows Chinese? Like, isn't it just, I can speak Chinese with that thing and it's coherent, you know? Yeah. I think you start getting up against these like arguments of like, you know, there's something outside what we can measure. And I think that science is ready to, Anything that can't be measured, I feel like it's ready to throw out the window. And so you have to sort of endorse these arguments that like, well, there's stuff we can't measure. Like there's words in the Chinese language that haven't been invented yet that would be reasonable given the syntax and structure of Chinese that wouldn't have appeared or been able to be produced in that experiment. But maybe an actual Chinese speaker could produce, for example. Um, And that would be something that couldn't be measured in the sense that like we don't there's no measurement today for words that haven't been, you know, written or invented. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So 
a question. So it's like, this is why it's interesting to me that we're all hyped up about this uh, AI stuff, but we don't even know what we're talking about. We haven't decided yet, you know? Well, it's interesting. Yeah, we're like saying AI as if like this is intelligent. You know, intelligence is what these large language models are doing. And yeah, and the implicit the implicit assumption is that no one's saying this, but what's the the kind of subconscious mental process here of the collective is essentially if it can pass the Turing test, it's artificial intelligence. Because that's all we're going on here is we're it's literally I mean, some people say it's like basically Google search with like words around the answers. Essentially. Right. But here this is something I brought up in the last this is possibly apropos of nothing, but it is a little bit type in to Google. Do you have a Google? Mm hmm. <laughs> type in the the what W A T T centrifugal governor and then click on the wikipedia article on it and a then centrifugal s- governor is a specific type of governor with a feedback system that controls the speed of an engine by regulating the flow of fuel or working fluid so as to maintain a near constant speed it uses the principle of proportional control so look at that picture that first <laughs> picture over there now yes you see that here's uh what i'm holding it's the same picture. It's in this book called Mind Design 2, Philosophy, Psychology, Artificial Intelligence by John Hoagland. A collection of articles, basically theories of cognition, intelligence, and that kind of thing. That's what this book is. It was like basically one of the quote-unquote textbooks of the philosophy of artificial intelligence course that I, that I was in, one of the books we used. This is just another... Th- this is like a completely mechanical. It was literally invented for like steam powered uh, sewing factories, like like uh, textile factories. So before this thing, it was invented. You had to like turn knobs. So if like another sewing machine came online in the factory, you'd have to go, oh, turn it up. If they were started sewing something like they required more energy, you know, a thicker material, whatever, they'd have to manually control this. This governor, which is essentially functions on the, the like the concept, like if you spin around in circles and let your arms just dangle, your arms will fly up around you. <clears throat> those that's like what's governing this little flap. As those arms raise, the flap you know opens and closes. Right, a self-regulating system essentially. This is why it's called a governor. Yeah, so Timothy Van Gelder was a the guy who was thinking about intelligence in this way, and I think that's another. It's just I'm just bringing the uh, the example up just to 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 show that there's all sorts of thinking about like what an intelligence system is. You know, mm. this is like a very dynamic. Yeah, this reminds me of like your air conditioning. Like if you have an old air Exa- conditioning. Oh my god. They yeah. bring this up all the time in AI oh. philosophy stuff. AC it's, units, man. Like the does the air conditioning unit know what the temperature is? I oh, interesting. I didn't even know that. So that's super god. funny. But we yeah, it's about just thermostats a lot. <laughs> it's just a little mechanical bit in your uh air conditioning or whatever that senses the temperature and then I think it's a little piece of metal that expands and contracts with the temperature. And when it expands, it triggers something that, you know, 
because it's getting hotter, you know, to turn your air conditioning on. And then if it contracts too much, it turns, you know, if you have the heat or whatever, you can turn the heat on. Um, but yeah, and so it's very simple. It's like all mechanical, you know, it doesn't require like any computer programming or anything. Like it's a very basic uh, function. Like these things are super cheap to make. Um, and uh, yeah, it's like some form of intelligence, maybe. It's like a regulating system. Yeah, um, so here's here's like a big question. Could we develop an artificial intelligence, something that we call, we go, yep, we did it. This is artificial intelligence. Let's say we put it in a human, well, like a robot. Put it something, in a human. <laughs> like, like put it, like it can, it can do, pass the Turing test, like absolutely, you know, basically it has, it can move around in space. It can manipulate mm, its environment mm. and it has a, some form of intelligence that's as good at, everything as it could be at playing chess or at generating text or whatever. At that point, could we, let's say we're developing along the same lines of development that we are with like language learning models and all that kind of thing. Will that be artificial human intelligence is human intelligence. I think a lot of people, probably people like Dan Dennett, I'm just guessing would say, Yes, because it the why would it have to be like basically the same like the same in every way to human the way that a human comes at because then you might start breaking that argument down if you're gonna hold hold on to that and say well if you're gonna make that the standard then doesn't the calculation have to be being done in like electrochemical impulses. Uh, in a machine powered by whatever in the hell people are powered by life and calories and blood and air, you know, like how granular do you have to get in your mm. comparison before you accept that it's human intelligence? Mm. You know what I, I mean? See. Yeah. There's something, there's just something well weird the about ignoring all of these questions as we develop artificial intelligence, in my opinion. Yeah, even to the Turing test thing, um, you could say that like the LLMs are passing the Turing test in some sense. And I think there's papers on this. Like I know that one, there's ones about sex bots or whatever that people can't tell the difference or think that sex bots are real people, which we've talked about and laughed about before. But um, I don't even think, though, that the LLMs are human-like in some sense. And so, because it's interesting, because when you start thinking about it, you're like, okay, so, you know, the Turing test would be like, well, you know, the AI or the LLM or ChatGPT passes the Turing test if it outputs something that, you know, is indistinguishable from what a human would respond with. But then you look at what GPT is saying back to you, and it's interesting because... We actually don't hold it to the same standards as people. People are often wrong. They're often angry. They're often biased. But we don't want the chat GPT to be any of those things. So it's interesting because we're holding like the chat GPT almost to like a higher standard. We're like, we want you to be always correct. We always want you to be formal. We always want you to be concise, clear, um, yeah. non-opinionated. So we don't even want human level intel we don't even right. want human intelligence 
So that's a right. little weird. Yeah, it's like we're not even wanting like human-like responses. And then, so then it becomes a real wrench in the like Turing test thing because then you're like, well, then what? How do we evaluate this thing? Like the Turing test can't be the evaluation criteria because a person might say something really wacky back to you or be like stuttering and say, I don't know about this or like just or, give you or some, be, you know. Give you wrong whatever. answers to questions. Right. Yeah. Which, Which ChatGPT Chat does GPT it too. does but. constantly, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, because people will say that too about like, um, you know, we expect it to be uh, sort of, safe or non-toxic but then i'm like but people are toxic you know like people have less than you know ideal notions all the time and you can look at all of the less than desirable commentary online on social media whatever and then you're like but we don't want any of that in the model and then you're like so what we're training is like kind of not human because that's clearly part of humanity, you know? <laughs> so. It's like we, we want something. Yeah, this is actually, so now here's the conspiracy I'm making up right now. I'm sure other people believe this, but it's like assuming that somebody, like we're not the first people to stumble across this obvious realization. Like right. we can't, we can't be the first. <laughs> no, so I hope not. So like, it seems that since none of this is part of the conversation, that almost seems like nefarious or it could be evidence of for like some kind of weird nefarious. And I don't even know if you could call it nefarious because there's plenty of people that are like really prominent in the industry of artificial intelligence and technology and all that that believe this, I think. But that basically it's going to be like a tech a tech. I mean, those are the wrong words because that's already a, a phrase to say tech overlord. But like it's going to be like a technological overlord that is technology you know and they've in the past in years gone by people have talked about having ai because and the, the assumption is of course that it wouldn't have any of these problems it wouldn't have any of this bias so we've done it with like banking and lending but then it got a little racist and they're like well how do we get rid of that stuff well we have we we've had these have, have had people say that how great it would be if we could have remove like the human judge and jury and just have a, right. a completely Not non-partial artificial <laughs> intelligence, uh, you know, or so if we could, you know, manage the economy uh, by using artificial yes. intelligence because it will know the everything, all the nightmare. Day- yeah. So all of this is to That's me very, it's really creepy because you're right. We're like, no, we don't, we're, we've like hit something really close or that like looks convincing. And then we're immediately like, let's take all the human stuff out of it. And let's, I mean, everything about it is kind of crazy. Yeah. You know, like let's just feed all the data we could possibly ever get our hands on. Let's just make it. I mean, literally like let's make God. Yeah. Well, it's like the rational or utilitarian monster too, because you don't want it principally to have any emotions, which, you know, one or could desires. argue. Right. Yeah. One could argue are like the fundamental part of or a fundamental part of being a human. And if you stripped that from the system, then what kinds of decisions might it make? You know, in what cases do your emotions override your rational thinking in a positive way? Like when you step in front of 
you know, a bullet for to defend someone. That's a, you know, override of your emotions over some rational system, perhaps. And maybe we think that that is a morally right thing to do. Yeah. Or irrational system. This is something else I brought up over and over again. But they, so in the beginning of this philosophy course, the philosophy of artificial intelligence, the teacher writes, the professor writes three things in the board and crosses out number one. The first thing she wrote was consciousness. And we just X that out. We're saying, we're not talking about this. That's something else completely. And I'm thinking now and probably back then, that's the, that's precisely the most dangerous thing to ignore in developing an artificially intelligent system. Especially if you're going to put it to, like, people don't invent things and then don't put them to use. Like, it's going to be used. If it's useful, (laughs) someone's going to use it, you know? It's a commercial enterprise, (laughs) literally in the business of producing useful things. Literally. So, yeah, your examples. So, I mean, they, it's like uh, beliefs, desires, things like this. This used to be like, now they call, like, borderline, throw that into the folk psychology, you know, like outdated beliefs, desires. What are those? Those aren't real. Um, or important, but it's, but if you don't, so if, so if AI doesn't, what? Dream analysis, just like, oh yeah, yeah. All the things they want to put in the back, they're like psychoanalysis, behavioral therapy, more like Who cares why? Just, just do, (laughs) just do better. So, yeah. So if you have, um, let's like not even worry about putting consciousness into the AI just, but if you don't even, if you don't believe in consciousness and you're an AI and let's say you, there's something that we call consciousness, but it wants to be real dandinant about it and simplify it and be like, Oh, it's just like uh aliveness, you know, like that's conscious. Like, like literally if you go unconscious, you're like asleep. Like that's how simple these people have decided to make it. It's like unconscious is sleeping. Conscious is awake. Consciousness is a wakefulness. So, and I'm not, joking like i've seen yeah they have these charts too they're like you can like rank conscious states or whatever and it's like sleeping or i think it's like coma sleeping literally at the top it's like awake alert alive enthusiastic (laughs) yeah so so like first of all what the hell are we even talking about when we're talking about those things and if you have an ai god which we will an imperfect one that we'll, we all will think is perfect. Um, a facsimile, if you will, a counterfeit. Very convincing, but something, the fact that it's convincing is actually the most mm. dangerous thing about it. It's yes, the thing about it exactly. that makes it so nefarious is that, like, if you, like, hand me Monopoly money and it's pink and one and ink is only on one side and then you try to pay, like, that's not Yes, convincing. well, this was the point I was going to make about the Turing test is, like, it literally isn't like a definitional test, which is the problem with it, is that it it doesn't, in theory, just whatever you think it's measuring, it, in principle, fundamentally, cannot tell the difference between a thing and its counterfeit. Because the test is, if it can fool you, meaning like a counterfeit would pass the test. So which that is, like is a huge Sarah fundamental glaring problem. Yeah. So the Chinese room, you know, people basically want to go, yes, or... No, that's a counterfeit. 
almost, you know what I mean? In a way, right. without like recognizing how mimicry their theory ignores that too. So let me make this point. I'll just finish this consciousness thing. So my point is like you have a t- you have an AI god, but it doesn't have it. It went to class. It was programmed by the people that went consciousness. Not important. Just learn other stuff that's important. Not like, you know, consciousness, because we don't know what that is. As is it Daniel Chalmers? Chalmers is his last name. Philosopher. It's, he has termed it, and it's stuck very well, the hard problem of consciousness, because it's hard. And uh, it's hard for very hard reasons. And if you read yes, his papers, yes. you'll understand how freaking hard it is. So that's why everybody wants to ignore it. Now you have AI God, and he may see, and actually real-life humans believe this. I'm married to one. Um, animals are conscious. Like like squirrels, they're conscious. I believe right? that. Cause, yeah. Right. So they're awake and alive. Enthusiastic. Okay. If that's what we mean by consciousness, or let me say it this way, if that's what y'all mean about consciousness, then that's not what I mean by consciousness. Because AI God may see both of those things and it won't order them and in, in importance. If it's got some imperative to pay attention to conscious things and the needs, wants, desires, beliefs of conscious entities. Squirrel get nut is just as important as uh, human get food, you know, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. whatever, whatever thing there is to figure out. And it may, like as many, many, many people point out, this is where the utility monster comes in. The actual utility monster is a paperclip machine. That's a famous example. You, mm-hmm. you just tell it maximize paper clips. We just want a paperclip machine. Like just make paper clips, as many as you can, as cheaply as possible, and it just starts turning everything into paper clips. Just like decoupling the atoms of humans and just like synthesizing paper clips out of everything. You don't want this. That's the utility monster. It needs to have some what we think of yeah, as we in our yeah. And ourselves, we call these like beliefs, desires. What are these things? And how does chat GPT not have them becomes unbelievably obvious when you just do what no one is doing. And it's just pay attention to these other things. Why are we all going like, why are, why is, okay, let me get really specific. Why is the all in podcast with four billionaires that are well-versed in the technology industry they're so exuberant, like, like, like I can't oh, believe yeah. we have AI. It's AI. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god. What's it gonna do? Everything. It's gonna do everything. It's gonna do nothing. It's gonna do all the things. I'm gonna get so rich on this. It is intelligence. Like, finally, it's like, whoa. And they're they're reasonable sounding. They don't talk like I'm talking about it. They sound very reasonable, and they talk like they're in a board meeting or something. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm sure we don't get to see what the board meeting side of them looks like, but they're talking oh like God. polished, you know? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but what about all... The, and people like Sachs, who's on there, or mm-hmm. Elon Musk, you know, they're those kind of people. And they're also like, hey, this could be really dangerous, but they're the like implicit thing that's so dangerous seems to be predicated on... Because we did it. We made the AI. 
that's so dangerous. And it's like, did we make AI though? Like, did we though? Like, you just made a search engine. Yeah, that can which read might the be dangerous in other I ways. Did. Very, yeah. extremely. Yeah. It's well, just, I was. Gonna... I don't. Yeah, go on. I just. I, was yeah, I say... think I've expressed my confusion about this whole thing, and my concern is just. It's just like, what is going on? Like, why? Why are we? What's? Why are we doing this? I. I made the stupidest analogy in that episode. I'm not publishing because I never shut up, and I was embarrassed by the analogy. I'm gonna make it again. <laughs> and I'm going to cut it out again, probably. It's not going to make it into the podcast. <laughs> but the analogy We're is... We're leaving it in. I, it's such a roundabout thing, but I don't know why it makes me think of this. It just do, It's doing it again, so I'm just going to say it again. <clears throat> do we all remember just a few months ago before wars and all this other stuff that we're bullshitting about now? Stop Asian hate. Mm-hmm. Where, okay, here's another example. Australia was on fire. Like, they were literally, the news was like, the entire country of Australia is on fire. Then the Amazon was on fire. The lungs of the planet are on fire. We are all going to die very soon. Everything's on fire. It was like fires, fire, 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 fire everywhere. All these little things that pop up. And then they just, where do they go? Like, what? They just disappear? Why did they do that? You know, it's like that was on purpose. I don't know what the purpose was. It was something. It was some kind of a weird propaganda agenda to do something. And now we're doing it again with AI. We do it with everything. I mean, every mm-hmm. example is an example. But now we're doing it with AI. Yeah. And it's like, but so we're all you have to do, like we've just did, was like think about it for five seconds and go, okay, everything everyone's saying isn't like there's something here, but it's not all that stuff. Like it's not. So right. what There's are we? There's always a crisis. Yeah. So what is this? I mean, it's just it's weirding me out. That's my point. Is like there's something, yeah, really odd going on, and it may be a distraction for what Friedberg seems to know off the All In podcast, who I respect and disrespect all at once. He seems to be highly focused on this idea that, and he's too smart, so I think it just flies by you. I think it even flies by. His, Flies by, flies by the his co-hosts like all these other billionaire guys. Maybe maybe they get it and they just don't buy it or something. But he's like, whatever with this like let's put all the information in the world into something. He's like that's not. He seems to me that he's saying that's not even interesting or is it going to work? It's going to get you what you've got here now. Like all this like, oh it's racist. Oh it's too woke oh it won't say bad things about this guy but it will about you know it's, it likes biden for some reason it doesn't like trying like what's going you know he's like screw all that this is me i don't i'm just like trying to summarize yes, what i think yes. he thinks and he wants to create vertical or industry specific yes. ais that are tailored to specific use cases like medical ais that are just trained on medical information and whatnot yeah. yes which makes or a lot have, more sense which makes way more sense. So you have a company that's like a large company, mid-sized company. You do a lot of things. Maybe you're a distribution, you're Amazon, whatever. You don't need anything. You don't need all that other shit put in there data-wise. Right, Just the data right. you use every day. But it's hard to do because it's a bunch of people and it's on servers and you've got to click on stuff and find it and use programs and all this stuff. What if AI just did that for you? What if you just said... I don't have to worry about it getting confused because it's not there's no it's not pulling from data on on Twitter of somebody giving their opinion about something. It's just we want to sell more products. We need to figure out 
how to get these products, whatever it is, into the mail quicker, you know, right, just anything right. I, or deliveries around the country in the most, the best uh, strategic gas yes. saving, money saving way. Just That would be, it would be unbelievable. And maybe that's the cover up is, well, hey, I oh know. my God, it's going to, it's going to like take over the world. But in reality, it's a potential for like a, some of these tech billionaires to get, become techie or billionaire or. Yeah. Well, I think. Yeah, back to our point, if you really think about what they are, which is just applied statistics, then that With becomes very you obvious. you can understand with language. That's yes. the trick that it's that doing. That becomes the very obvious use case is that in order, because you think about like, what is it giving you? It's giving you the most probable outcome to a question or the most associated answers to that question. And so you obviously want things that are cordoned off on high quality data sets, but that still poses problems. So like say the medical, you know, one, for example, like if you just had a medical GPT or whatever, the problem would be that um, the medical GPT would give you the most probable diagnosis, which would often be right, but sometimes wrong. And it wouldn't be giving you the information about like fringe cases, like actually this rash looks like this and it's likely that it you know, would be diagnosed as X, but in reality, it's Y. But the chat GPT isn't going to give you that information. How does the medical software get all the good information? You know, like, right, for example, right. we've been prescribed, so we could, all the data we would have told, like a, a, psycho- a psychiatrist version of chat GPT, would it, that GPT or what medical GPT, psychiatrist GPT would believe because we, this is what we do, that if you are sad, you need pills from Pfizer. Right. Well, like that's what yeah. you need. And now we are learning based on finally, because, uh, you know, conspir- it was a conspiracy theory until, you know, yesterday. Now we're learning that those pills do nothing, possibly less than nothing. Yeah. So yeah. that's like, so what do you do with that information? How yeah. do you start to, you know what I mean? It's going to, it's, exactly. it's a little a ways of off. Yeah, yes. it's a little ways off. Well, so back to the billionaire thing, that's a really good point because that's kind of what I read it as. It's like there's these tech billionaire types who are really overly enthusiastic about it because it's like their last hope or whatever for the tech industry because the tech industry is kind of like on the decline. It's I mean, Another bubble. They want another exactly, bubble. Exactly. And so I could see how they're like, you know literally invested in believing that it's like more capable and more amazing than it is. Now, here's the other weird thing, and this might trip off your conspiracy uh, bells or whatever. So something I didn't know uh, that I found out recently, you know who's doing a lot of this AI research? Salesforce. I feel like I have heard this. Salesforce is a CRM company. Yeah, literally. It's like <laughs> software well, it's everything, as a isn't it? Is it also the military industrial complex? Like, it seems like it's everything. Like, it seems like Salesforce is, like, brought up in contexts that make no sense. Where I'm like, I thought it just, like, helped you sell shit to people. Like, what is this company really? They work with everyone. So they, you know, have inroads into all sorts of industries. Like, they work with the medical. You know, their software is used by hospitals and medical industry. It's also used by public sector, government, you know, whatever. Um, to keep track of your information and your data and blah, blah, blah. So Salesforce obviously is like deeply embedded in a lot of the economy. 
Um, but then, yeah, so I, you know, there's this paper that came out that was really cool that was like, hey, you can use AI to uh, figure out protein folding and determine the structure of proteins and model them. And that was something that Who used said to take this? a... This is a paper that came out, an AI oh, paper. Okay, okay. They used AI. It was like a proof of concept, like, hey, you can use this, and here's some protein structures we figured Ooh. out using AI. And uh, and I was so shocked to find out that that paper was written by Salesforce. Like, people at Salesforce uh, wrote that and published that. And I think they have something like 221 papers published on AI in scientific, academic, peer-reviewed journals. And they have dozens of not just AI models, like state-of-the-art models, like this is the leading type of model for this particular type of use case for AI. So Why would they Salesforce are, be doing this? Yeah, it's really strange. They've been doing this stuff since like 2014 or whatever. So this stuff goes back a ways, and it's very strange to me that Salesforce was in – so invested. And you could think, well, they're a data company and they were trying to position themselves as a data company and they were investing, you know, in figuring this stuff out. And so you could say, okay, well, yeah, sure. But it is still very weird that, uh, still just a little weird, just a little weird. I get a little weird feeling about it. I don't know exactly what, you know, the there there is, but something strange. I'm going to type something in real quick. Hang on. I heard about this website. I don't even know what it does. Let's see. Okay, well, while you're doing that, I also wanted to tell you about this other thing. So that's one uh, conspiracy-like thing. Now, this other thing that's really interesting. So this paper came out, um, scientific paper called The Curse of Recursion. Training on generated data makes models forget. Um, And here's – I'm going to read the abstract here. Um, So Stable Diffusion, which is a company that makes AI models – Uh, revolutionized image creation from descriptive text. These models that it created, GPT-2, GPT-3, and 3.5, and 4, demonstrated astonishing performance across a variety of language tasks. ChatGPT introduced such models to the general public. It is now clear that large language models are here to stay and will bring about drastic change in the whole ecosystem of online text and images. In this paper, we consider what the future might hold. What will happen to GPT-N, so as they keep developing more and more models, once LLMs, large language models, contribute much of the language found online? So what will happen when these models start producing a bunch of the data that is being used to, for, as the training set to generate outcomes or outputs for these models? And so they say, we find that the use of model-generated content in training causes, sorry, we find that the use of model-generated content in training causes irreversible defects in the resulting models, where the tails of original content distributions disappear. So essentially, the unlikely outcomes, so like the outliers, if you want to say, so to speak, the sort of things on the fringes of the variability distribution, those things disappear when... Like creativity. Exactly, exactly. Like if I want to use a word, like if I want to if I want to write a poem, here's a, a lady that writes a poems like this, and she'll like make connections between like the weekend, making you weekend, you know. Right. Know, 
right exactly but like how is she using those words how is she right this is a simple example but it's like that kind of thing is going to it's improbable and yeah that's so improbable that it, it gets ignored but if you're talking about these systems generating this content then it will never generate that Right. Because it's novel. So it's therefore, a probabilistic model. The right. So therefore the data set, if it's using it's got a it's using a data set with with bars on either side of just its own content that it would create. Right. Then, it becomes more and more range restricted as they Yeah, nothing say new will ever emerge from it. Right. Yes. And the the output will get more and more similar over time, more and more condensed. Um and so anyways, blah blah blah. They go on to say uh, we demonstrate that it has to be taken seriously, this effect, if we are going to sustain the benefits from training large-scale data uh, scraped from the web. So indeed, the value of data collected about, here's the key part, genuine human interactions with systems will be increasingly valuable in the presence of content generated by LLMs in data crawled from the internet. What's going to become more, like human-generated stuff will become Real human-generated content. So real, like, just, you know, if you're thinking about the web, like me writing a blog article or me posting on social media or me commenting and talking to my friend that's not being generated by GPT or assisted by GPT, not blogs written by GPT, not blogs written by GPT that I edited, not, you know, uh, articles uh, on the Internet written by GPT, blah, blah, blah. So... Anyway, the point there, that's why I thought it might trigger your conspiratorial bells because, you know, we've been talking about, you know, data is the new oil. Like this data is going to be so, you know, uh, lucrative and it's going to be uh, a new boon for the tech industry and it's so valuable. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's essentially the point of this paper is like, yeah, real generated human data like that we capture as humans interact with systems Think about, you know, like your iRobot vacuum, for example, too, like that data, like how you're really interacting with the real world, like sensors in your home and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, They were saying that's going to become increasingly important in order to sustain the functionality uh, and accuracy of these models. Uh, So, yeah, just super interesting. And that's not even conspiratorial. That was like a bunch of lead researchers, like people at Oxford and stuff who wrote that paper. So... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds because something something is going on for sure. And I was so the whole time I was have, trying to do two things at once, and I can't find anything interesting. I'm using doesn't matter, uh, but I'm coming up with uh, I'm trying. I'm doing some weird searches on Salesforce. Now I think there's um person associated with Salesforce that we might be able to kind of like, if we wanted to do a deep dive, it would be uh, Mark Benioff. That's the you start CEO. Like, yeah, figuring out who this guy is. Because I'm looking back to, um, I don't know what the date here is on this, but Salesforce CEO, co-CEO Keith Block steps down, Benioff to be sole CEO. Yeah, so the, I think he stuff was has the been CEO going on. of Slack, that other guy, and they acquired Slack and then he became the co-CEO and then apparently there was lots of tension between them and he stepped down. It was kind of fiery. Yeah, I'm reading lots of weird little things. Salesforce CEO Mark Benioff can't answer question on viewpoint discrimination. The notoriously left-wing CEO of Salesforce Mark Benioff stood in stunned silence when confronted with the question about the company's lack of policy and political tolerance and viewpoint discrimination. 
Yeah, well, I don't this know. is That's an a... interesting thing. So I've been watching their AI stuff, and so they've come out with all this like we're going to be the company that's going to be you know enhancing trust and safety with AI, and so they've taken all these measures to enhance the trust and safety why, with their why AI. Why would Salesforce? I know it's weird, but one so of the things they have these tenets of like safe AI and ethical AI, and one of them is literally about toxicity, like reducing toxicity, and that one is the most. Strange to me because it's not defined. Like, what makes something toxic? And right. that they're just going to decide the, what it is, right? The exact and, point and by the way, these are the people that are through exactly these antics are creating all the toxicity. You know why? If and I don't believe this, but if white nationalist, whatever the negative version of that is that everyone's so up in arms about all the time. If, and again, I don't believe this, that's rising at some alarming rate and we're just being inundated with all these crazy murder Nazi people that just want to exterminate everybody weird, like including like people that aren't white, like black people. Um, You might ask, why is that rising? And the answer might be because companies like this and policies or policymakers that are dictating the types of things that make companies like this are incessantly running their mouths about this stuff that no one is talking about and bringing it into the consciousness constantly, constantly talking about it, constantly calling white people racist, telling them that they can't talk about things because of how, because they're white or power, Mm, blah, 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 all this stuff that makes people reactive point uh case in point anheuser-busch trans thing sure yeah exactly case in point like you're you're just that would have none of the backlash would happen it's it's not that it was there that's not it it's that you won't stop they won't stop this stuff and it's like annoying people to no end and it's creating an ideology in their mind that they never had to have before because there was nothing there to be opposed to. Yeah, and until they had actual about conversation about this stuff. Like, I mean, you could think about that internally or on like platforms. I mean, literally, like they're the going, company, "Let's talk. Yeah. Let's start a conversation." And then you go, "Okay," and they go, "Not you. Shut up." And you're like, "Oh, thought it was a conversation." It's like, no, it's a conversation where we talk and you listen. Right. And if yeah. you don't say what we say, then you don't even get to be quote unquote platformed or have a voice or all, you know, all this crazy bullshit that just, that's making people crazy. Yeah. Well, can we digress just quickly? Um, because this is so interesting. I read this thing or was listening to actually an audiobook by, uh, Douglas Murray, the madness mm-hmm. of crowds, I mm-hmm. think is a title. And, uh, there's a chapter on gay and, uh, this is the kind of exact thing, like the silencing of actual debate, uh, that was so, I was like, yes, exactly that. That was kind of the point I was trying to make in the Pride Month episode where he was saying, you know, there's really like kind of two things going on in the gay movement. Um, At least you could think about it. He's like, there's people who are like genuinely -genuinely (laughs) non-heterosexual, yeah, or gay, who just want equality, like equal treatment and equal status under the law, equal rights. Um, and that was part of the original movement. And he's like, but then there's a separate movement that's like highly political and highly geared toward 
just ruining or destroying the established whatever, norms, conventions, whatever. And they believe that being gay or whatever identity they are is actually better than being straight. So they don't want equal treatment. They want preferential treatment. And right. so he was saying things like you have all these high profile, you know, gay people. And it's like, OK, well, do you want to be held to the same standards as straight people? Like what about infidelity? What about, you know, open relationships? Are we going to start talking about that? Like because gay people want to have all this stuff, you know, like we want to not worry about this. And he's like, and and two, if you have a child, what about the responsibilities that come with that? Like, do you do you want those responsibilities and whatnot, too? And so. He was saying that there's like this actually political movement that's sort of taken hold of the whatever you want to call it, LGBTQIA, whatever, that is not mm. about equal treatment under the law. That is really about saying that, you know, it's I mean, it's motivated by resentment toward, I think, like heterosexual monogamy or whatever, you know, the traditional stereotypical ideal, just general person and that. It's really a destructive political force. Um, and he's like, and it's really uh, taken hold and, uh, what would you say, kind of destroyed that that movement. It's kind of like a, a parasitic force. And so it's interesting to me because you never hear the point I brought up. It's like, you're not even allowed to debate that. Like, I am like a person who I'm like, I do feel that way. And I wish we would have a more nuanced discussion about it. Like some of this stuff, like when you go to the Pride Principles, and I've been to one where I literally saw a person like in their 60s with their ass out standing next to children. I was like, that offends most people, I think. That's not what I want. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> I'm not condoning that. OK. And um, it's like we're not even allowed to talk about that. We're like if you like and so in the company, if you're like want to support pride or whatever, like you want to be a part of their LGBTQ alliance, it's like the only people allowed to speak are the people with the most extreme views. And yeah. So anyway, it's like you're not even allowed to have yeah. discussions. So companies are definitely playing a role in this because, I mean, literally, the company is like, you know, has control of your job. Like, they can fire you. And so then you could, like, be out on the street and whatnot. And uh, and this, I feel like, is just paving the way toward fascism, too, especially when we're, like, people want to look towards companies to make decisions for them and whatnot. So... Yeah, and one of the things you said that there's a group out there that wants preferential tre treatment. And I was thinking, you know, their argument would be, no, it's still equal. And the, the way that it's still equal is by looking at the current situation as implicitly and often explicitly that the normative, historical, whatever, yeah. heterosexual, what heteronormative, uh, that, that, that that is implicitly and explicitly preferential culturally, Politically, right. This is like the equity, the affirmative action argument you have to take. And that might be true. And it might be fine. Like what's, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't, there's a line from this song. It's a terrible song. Like, like just in most ways, it's just bad, but there's a line in it. It's about weed. Uh, and there's a line in it where he says, it's like a weird white rapper or something. And he says, I talking about weed. I hope they never legalize it because high times won't have anything to fight for. And mm. uh, that's poetic. But what it, what what he means is, this is like a culture, you know. Yeah. Th this yes, and exactly. this is like 
That's what Douglas Murray was saying. It's like subversive, like they're motivated to attack the normative. It's like actually something right. else is going on that's being sort of cloaked by this equal rights movement. But it's not really about and equal it's, rights. It's highly, I can't believe I'm going to say this because you bought me that stupid book, but it's highly, it's like the worst thing about capitalism ten to, five, times 10, you know, which is this like commoditization of everything, make everything palatable you know walmart's colors are now blue and gray target inside is when they're not rainbow gray and maybe some red but mostly gray (laughs) like and this is very this is like a plug-and-play system it can be you can put that anywhere it's neutral it's just for you to buy consume it consume it it's not offensive it's not not it's not not your culture it's not your culture it's just it is what it is. It's just, it is. And uh, yeah, that's, that is weird. You know, that's like, yeah. there's always like everyone, like even individuals, like we have a style, you know, like I'm, I have a style, I guess right. I have a, right. a vibe, you know, that's different than other people. Um, that's why different kinds of stores once existed for different kind of places and everything's becoming like, like, what is Walmart? What is Target? It's like a clothing store inside a grocery store, inside an automotive store, inside a garden center, inside of a, you know, like just everything. There's a watch counter, a jewelry counter. Yeah. There's makeup. I mean, it's like, it's just everything. Your pharmacy's in there. <laughs> Literally, you can get your vaccines there. I mean, it's just. Exchange money. I don't know. There's So, yeah, it makes me think that this, like, so-called that's why it's not a count so that's countercultural revolutions or whatever aren't supported by mega corporations but this time they are that should yes. tell you something yeah like that our should tell you the allies <laughs> yes our corporate i'm sorry can you repeat that phrase corporate allies like you're are you want me to be on that team corporate global corporation right. it just team. sounds like, like fascism on the face of it to me i'm like I can't believe they say it because I, yeah, it's like it's crazy. It's, you're like I was gonna say that to defeat you, but now you're admitting you're that that's what like, you do. You nope, know what I mean? Like that it. was my <laughs> argument against you, and you're like, no, that's my argument, point blank. I'm like, well, then we agree. You're on team corporate overlord. I'm not. That's the difference. I don't uh, know where else to go with this, and you're so all your antics follow from. Uh, you know this stuff you're, you're right. you, what you're saying has to be it's not like corporations are having to get in line with a popular movement no your popular movement has to go has to be in line with what the corporation will tolerate Condone, what the corporation exactly. condones and that is just kind of bonkers you know it's like you're not if if capitalism is so bad why are, then why are you why are you embracing it like that why aren't why, where's the backstop where's the counter to that why are you letting white rural people that you hate be the only counterbalance to the globalist new world order i don't understand why you're doing that unless you're on that team you're on and now you're saying you are on the team so i'm like how long can that be a movement that people look at and go thumbs up guys good job keep it up keep doing that no it's so crazy too i mean it's a real problem like a I mean, you literally see this, like, battle or whatever being waged in, like, companies. Like, 
You know, for example, no one can get fired today because, you know, all these legal lawsuits, all this hesitation and whatnot. But you know who can't get fired? White men, because they have no standing. They have no standing for a legal case well, of discrimination against them. So we can about, fire those yeah. people without cause, too, like for the most insane reasons. Like I literally knew someone who got fired from a job within three months, which is unheard of to get fired from a corporate job within three months. Like you haven't even been there long enough to like even You ha- couldn't even assessed. know if you got your ROI yet. Like how right. would you even know? <laughs> yeah. And they fired him because he told he was basically like they had hired a really – underperforming, underqualified minority person, probably because they were a minority and he was managing them. And he was like, this person is not doing their job well and they need to either improve or be fired. And they fired him, the boss, the white man, because he was, quote, racist. And Wait, I do was you like, know this person? Yeah, I know. That. I know the whole situation. It got so That's crazy. unbelievable. Like, was it on its face that, or are you just gleaning that from it? Or was it basically like, no, here's here's the documents. Like, it's you're a racist and we can't tolerate that. Yeah, no, I don't know the person who got fired. I knew the, the minority person who they were fired because of performance improving. And I knew the person who had fired him. And I heard them say that person was racist. So they both got fired. In the end. No, no. The minority still works there. The minority person who wasn't doing their job very well still works there. Which is, this is what I'm saying. It's like, we, like, people won't even take a stand about these things. And it's like, it's the kind of ludicrous thinking that you're like, this doesn't lead anywhere good. Like, you may think in the short term that you're helping this person, but you're not going to help people that way. Because if that person truly is not performing well... No one wants to be in a job. Like, no one wants to be given something that they don't deserve, one. Um, Like, I think that that's corrosive to your psyche. Uh, And then, two, like, if they're actually not doing well, like, it's not going to be good for them. Like, you know, if you were, like, in a band and you were like, okay, here, you can play, like, trumpet for us, and you don't know how to play trumpet, and then you, like, stink it up every time that you play and everyone kind of, like, gives you side eye but, like, won't talk about it, and you're like, why does everybody hate me? Like, that's the kind of environment that you're fostering when the person is not set up to succeed. <laughs> well, it's worse because everybody realizes they they can't say that's no good. So half of them are going to start – half of them are lunatics and they're going to start going, it's so great that you're oh my God. on our yeah. team. <laughs> and then there's another, there's another quarter of the whole that's going to go – uh, yeah, what they said. Yeah, yeah, because everybody else said it, so I'll say it. And then there's the 25% of us out there who are like, I got to go. Like, Wow, right. Uh, or you're like that white man and you're like, hey, that trumpet plane's not very good. You're either going to need to fix that or you got to go. We're going to get someone else. And then that person but gets you can't, fired but that's, the you can't, Right, exactly. You <laughs> can't do that because the whole group now is against you, including from top to bottom. And the top maybe looks – that's what people think is happening, that the top looks down and goes, well, shit, what are we going to do? You know, like, like the CEO of that company you work for having to step down – because he was like, hey, let's like stop talking about pronouns and just talk about work. Thank you. Right. Separate you know? case. And but yeah, then yeah. they're like, well, you got to go. You know? And it's like, uh, I, what was my point going to be? I don't even know. I think the point is so evident that I feel like I already made it. I mean, 
that guy basically had that guy had that experience to some extent. That's that's what we think. That's what we look and we think that's happening because I think it does happen sometimes. What I'm oh, saying. Like yes, sometimes yes, you yeah. do mm-hmm. have a guy who's at the top looks down at the the from the pinnacle down through the rest of the pyramid the the of the mass of what's going on and goes uh well i have no power here i'm gonna have to go and so it's it's it is so in one sense that's very bot it looks very bottom up it looks like oh the ma- the corporate overlords or whatever are responding to this it's movement social change but yeah. but that's clearly not the case because there's a difference between that guy that CEO that was like, can we just stop talking about this waste of time and start talking about what makes this company great? You know, right? he's different than whoever's making decisions at BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street. Right, right. That's Obviously, that's different because those guys are literally saying the opposite. Right. You know, they're literally, they're literally like, do this more, do this. Hey, hire these people now, do it, do it, do it. Whereas the CEO that has to do it, if he's not in on it all, doesn't know just kind of, well, yeah. you know, like, Oh, what? Cause if you're confused, you just go, well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, okay. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're hired and, then and you're fired. The people and... who are most prone to this, I think are like, they're very dutiful, highly conscientious, probably overly anxious, even people who are like, so if this is happening, you see someone get fired like that or whatever, like the white man who gets fired for being a racist for telling someone who needed to legitimately improve their performance to improve their performance. That if that person gets fired, you know, then everyone else is on edge. And who are the people who are most likely to overreact and overenforce those norms are the people who are very dutiful, very conscientious, overly anxious. And there's a stereotype about that, you know, and I... You know, it's out there. And I feel bad because these people, you know, need to have some inner courage and stand up for themselves. And those are the exact kinds of people who lack that inner courage, who don't, who who feel incapable of standing up for themselves, having their own ideas. Those are the people who are going to be captured. Those people are, unfortunately, I don't know what the answer is. And if you're probably right, I mean, that was my methodology through all of the trials that I had recently, especially with the whole COVID bullshit that went on and how that affected me. But it's like, I, and I was backed into a corner, but I don't have my sphere, let's say of influence isn't the same as the CEO of major, major business in Silicon Valley where you worked. So that guy, the, when he's backed into a corner, I was backed into a corner Almost literally, you know, like almost physically, they're doing that to the CEO because because I'm I'm not saying this is exactly what happened. I'm just saying that this is completely possible and probably probably does happen on a regular basis. It's why weird things happen, like Anheuser Busch with their trans thing. You go, you got these Black Rocks and State Streets and Vanguards or whoever, all these DEI weirdo investor companies they have power they can wield power at that individual at the ceo of bleep from from many different angles so it's not just it's not just i'm your boss do what i say it's also 
I can be your boss. You can know that. I tell you what to do. You get to be the CEO and make the decision. And if you make the wrong decision, your overlords are also the overlords of your number one customer. So if you make the wrong decision and we make it public, then that gives my other company, your top customer, the go ahead and the excuse and this and the and the the nod from BlackRock to pull out. Now you lo- lose your number one customer. Now everyone in the company who maybe wasn't in on the whole trans ideology or whatever thing is go- r- running rampant through your company, well, they are upset that now profits are down and then half of them have to get laid off and the investors are pissed off because this all these right. antics are taking place. Right. So I think that that's the kind of corner these people feel like they're backed into. Even if they don't, it's not actually operating in the open like that. It operates like that from many different levels. Sometimes you don't even have to make that. All you have to do is let that story bubble up to the surface. Let it be on CNN. Let it be on right. Well, just the, the one the radio case waves. where someone is punished for having these uncondoned views. You know, it's like, well, then, yeah, if there's like legitimate consequences, and it's clear that that could be what's coming for you if you voice those uncondoned views. Well, then, yeah, you end up with that sort of thing. But back to the AI. I think it's- Oh, go oh ahead. yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I think it goes back. This is like a, a whole other can of worms, but to that little, I can't, you can't even call it article, like an articleette, that thing in the Economist thing that you showed me, the magazine. And it oh was like God. this professor or whatever. What and he was. was it was like a half a paragraph that needed so much explanation. But it was like, we've been propagandizing this. people for a long time. And we just recently decided we're going to start propagandizing the elites. Uh, the elites by twisting, by telling them like the truth, basically. It kind of, I read it as like by telling them half truths. And I was like, right. That, that was, was the whole article. That was all it yeah. said. It was just, and then it was like end. And then it just had the guy's name. And it was like, what? What does that mean? Right. Who's, they were like, we who, tried to influence who, social change by spreading the truth to the masses. But now we're spreading the truth just to the elites because we realize that they actually have more social influence. That so you're like, hmm, the truth. Hmm. Hmm. Yes, we need to look <laughs> that guy up and see what his most recent paper was and yeah. read it because that's... and they literally called it psychological warfare. Like, if it's just the truth, why is it called psychological warfare? Okay, <laughs> like literally, yeah. <laughs> because the truth has nothing to do with facts. The truth is what I say it is. The truth is the right story, ultimately. Right. right. That's the all right it is. Story. And those pe- exactly. propagandists know that better than anybody else. The founder of propaganda, uh, shit. Look it up. Founder of propaganda, Edward Bernays. Don't look it up. Edward Bernays, founder of propaganda. What did he implement? Lots of psychology. Who was Edward Bernays's uncle? Sigmund Freud. Now, who is a direct descendant of Ed, of Freud? To Bernays, do you know? It was the guy at the, I don't know if he's there anymore, but he was the head of Netflix. Mm. So the godfather of propaganda influenced directly by the founding fathers of psychology ended up owning one of the major uh, storytelling content platforms on the world. And guess what? Go look at it. Everything's, 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 everything's woke. Okay. (laughs) There's like the top, like suggested for you, black queer voices lead. I mean, I'm like, 
not suggested for me. Last thing I watched was a 9-11 truth documentary. What are you talking about? Not yeah. That's not what I watch. I'm just saying that nothing indicates that that's what we're watching. They're just pu- pumping that at you. And this yeah. is the a direct, you know, that line of intellectual lineage mm-hmm. is literally a bloodline in this case mm. from like point A to point B. It's like so clear. Yeah, that's so, so interesting. I don't think anyone's worried about using – I mean, they know this stuff better than anybody. It's all about the stories. It's Well, all I about- was going to say, yeah, that's the AI thing. It's almost like – so back to that problem we were discussing is like, you know, if you train models on generated content from these models themselves, then you end up with what, you know, some might say is like a disinformation or misinformation machine, like – it will become more and more certain of essentially just normative views as truth. And so the stuff that's like most popular online or whatever will just become what ChatGPT is more assertive in its answers about what's right. Correct. And beyond that, it from its inception, it was put up with guardrails that would not let it say a good thing about a right-wing candidate and did let it say something good about a left-wing right, candidate. a whole other... From its, yeah, from its inception. Thing. So it's like, who are you going to fool? Like, who's yeah. going to... Be- I mean, I know everybody's going to fucking believe it, but it's like, who... who? Yeah. Sh- nobody should believe that. It's just kind of craziness. Like, it's, it's like blatant. Well, and to the content, too. It's so interesting. I wanted to... And we don't have to talk about it a lot, but... Because we got to go. But the Apple... Uh, came out with their AR headset, Apple Vision um, oh, yeah. Pro, maybe. Um, and it's just interesting because I think Kim said this where she was like, uh, it's just a closer way for them to get information to you. It's like the information is literally going to be right in front of your eyes. Like It's an easier way for other people to put their information that they want you to see Right in front of you. And then it's like you think about, you know, having the air earbuds, you know, the eyes covered. It's like literally all of your senses and all the information that you're getting about the world is literally being fed to you by someone. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's a really scary thing to think about, I think, just like on a basic philosophical level. And yeah, yeah. I think it's really unhealthy. I mean, even my phone lately has been giving me like i've had to be on it so much because i'm doing so i'm like already on it on the normal like bs that i shouldn't be doing anyways you know just like need unrelenting scrolling through whatever my weakness happens to be uh facebook marketplace i don't know why but that's beyond the but even just like instagram social media you open it to check a message and you're just uh, 10 20 minutes go by and you're like what what am i doing you know like i gotta put this down so aside from that then i'm like putting this doing all this work on my tractor and there's little things I got to look up and try to buy parts. So I've just spent so much time on it and it makes me feel like I'm losing it. You know, like at the end of the day, I'm like, I feel like, I feel like a drug addict that wants to quit, you know, like, I'm like, I got to put this down. Like, I do not want to look at this anymore. Mm. It's stressing me out. It's making me like have palpitations and it's not even stressful. It's just that like, you know, you just scroll this like weird version of scrolling now where it's like it just automatically plays. It's like 
comedian, you know, clip of a comedian, someone clip of a garden, clip of a how-to, clip of an ad, clip of a comedian, clip of a garden, clip of a how-to, clip of a tractor, clip of an animal, clip of a copying shot. Oh, I mean, just unbelievable amounts of just content that right. can be whatever it is, but it's just a lot. And also, I wanted to bring this up since I just said the cop thing. We don't have to talk about this, just, just pointing it out. So I was listening to a podcast and somebody said, my feeds have been really violent lately. And I thought to myself, not mine. The other person agreed and said, yeah, mine too. Now that you mention it, Weird. you know. So I, that literally that day or the next day I'm scrolling through my feed and there's like a body cam footage. I'm like, what is this? You know, sometimes those are interesting. You know, I got stuck on it for a second. It turns into like this fat black lady and this cop shooting at each other and the cop gets shot. Oh my God. I scroll like three videos more. Another one, another video of a cop just lighting this guy up. The cop getting shot, the guy getting shot like 40 times by this other cop. I mean, just like right there on like the whole, it's like blur. It's just right there. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And why is it happening right now? And I'm thinking this is like a subtle way. It's not so subtle in my opinion of like ramping up for the bullshit that comes up every single summer. Violence, riots, protests, competition between ideologies every summer. This is them getting us ready for it. And here's what's even more disturbing. I scrolled through the comments. I went back to that first video and then the next video and scrolled through the comments. Absolutely. And I'm not saying one way or the other what the right thing. I'm just making a objective, non-opinionated observation. Zero sympathy for the police officer. Oh, my God. A lot of it was, like, weirdly neutral. Like, that cop had poor training. Didn't follow, you know, he shouldn't have blah, blah, blah. But anything that was in support of one side or the other was in support of the black lady. Oh, my God. Well. Granted. I mean, it's terrible for everyone, but. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. At first, I was like, this is disturbing. The lady was being, I have no, I really have no respect for the police. But the lady was being totally disrespectful. You know, she's starts like doing something running. I don't know. She's acting, she does something strange. The guy pulls out his taser. He's like, I'm going to tase you. Stop. Stop. I'm going to tase you. I'm going to tase you. She doesn't stop. She tases him. He tases her. And then, yes, he tases her. Sorry. And she gets back to her vehicle. She's fat. I don't know if it really worked that well, but she was kind of, you know, doing a little tasey motion and uh, gets back to the car. He keeps doing it. You know, she grabs a gun and just shoots him. And I'm like, that's a really interesting situation right there. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea, but it makes you, it, it does something though, you know, to watch that you're going to form an opinion. It's not enough information, but you, your mind is going to make an opinion. Mine went to that lady is got to calm down. Like what the fuck? She just like almost killed a guy. Like she shot him in the leg. He had to get, you know, emergency rushes in. I'm like, but at the same time, I, I, I get the other side. Like, I think a lot of people knee jerk the other way. Like that. Why did that cop pull out that taser? What was she really a risk to? I, and the question 
is for me, I'm like, I, I don't know. Well, see, she that's clearly had the a whole gun. irony we're pointing out, though. Like, regardless of what you think about that, it's like, why isn't content moderation flagging that? Like, if these content moderations are eliminating toxicity, like, that is literally violence. Like, if that was, that should be at least have a warning. You know, like, people should not be exposed oh, to, like, shooting. Oh, it was shooting. shocking. Yeah, like, yeah. especially children. Like, but for some reason, you're like, no, that's fine. But if someone says, uh, I'm gay and I don't, or I approve, I'm gay and I approve of uh, monogamous heterosexual marriage, that needs to be flagged as inappropriate content. If somebody like, says, what? I, I, I was injured by the vaccine, there's a fucking warning on the video. Right, right. Or people are just getting shadow banned, like the FBI informants. I was reading that thing about the Twitter files, like literally all these former FBI yeah, people that's, working at Twitter at the top levels and just telling Twitter exactly. who needs to be banned, like no explanation yep. given, just like these accounts need to go and Twitter just doing it. And then you're like, so who's really running the show here? Like clearly yeah. not Twitter. Uh, some deep state people are running the show. So I just don't know what's going on. And you think about that stuff too. It's like, well, it's not just like bannings and stuff. It's also like probably what things get condoned on, you know, exactly. to be on well, there in the first place. Or pushed or pushed into your feed because I don't follow those two as- accounts that showed me those things. I don't even, why was that even there? Right. I don't watch that stuff. I don't watch fights. I don't, I just don't want to see that stuff there's an information war i feel like being waged on us that's only going to be exacerbated by uh this ai probabilistic i don't want to call it ai it's probabilistic language models you know it's going to be and our corporate allies you know they're the ones weaponizing it yeah basically and yeah i mean just a lesson from history it's like truth is not always consensus Sometimes the crowds are wrong, you know. the The mass is the the madness of crowds, literally. Like crowds and so are, are mad. The, so sometimes. are the experts. Sometimes the experts are wrong. Sometimes the experts are wrong. Yeah, and uh, sometimes everybody's just wrong. Right. Right. Yeah. Of course. Anyway. Well, anyway. Yeah. Well, TBD with all this AI and uh, political nonsense. TBD. TBD. I'm just going to say I don't want Mike President or Mike President to be Pence. <laughs> Mike Pence to be president. Uh, uh, he doesn't seem like uh, a good choice. I don't know. He seems like a normal person, but I listened to him talk recently and it was like really incoherent. He like wasn't answering the questions and kept like talking about weird stuff and was like, we have to force Russia back into a corner and, like, we are going to show them that blah, blah, blah. And, like, this was right after someone had suggested, it was Jordan Peterson on the Jordan Peterson podcast, had suggested, don't you think it's dangerous to back Russia into a corner and make them very vulnerable given that they are the second largest nuclear superpower in the world? And Mike Pence was like, that's exactly what we need to do. We need to push them back to a corner, show our strength. And it was like, um... Did you listen to the question? Like, you didn't even address the threat of nuclear war that Jordan Peterson was just talking about. Um, I have to listen to that. Yeah, he strikes me as something there's. So sometimes he may say the right things, like he's that kind of guy. Or he says things that you're like, well, that's better than the alternative. Yeah. But what he strikes me as is the kind of guy that would want to repeal 
the ability for, let's say, uh, the legal benefits that came along with legalizing gay marriage. So, like, some of those things are legit, you know? Like, some of those things should should also, like, like the, the basic arguments that people were making, like, loved ones dying, passing on of property. It's like, that may, you may even want to do that just with your best friend. Like, someone you're just right, not married right. to. You might just not have anybody. Like, something, there was a problem. Right. We don't, Equality I don't know if we handled it law. properly. Yeah, we might not handle it properly. But Mike Pence doesn't seem like a guy that cares for the nuance of all that. He does, however, seem like the kind of guy that would want to repeal all of that. You know, just like, let's just take that back, undo that. And something about that rubs me the wrong way, too. And I think what it is, is he wants to wield the same weapon. He wants to pick up the exact same weapon that's been used against people, against the masses, and use it just against a different set of masses. It's still this like wielding of like government, big government against people. And I think that's why he can seem so plain and have like some kind of extreme ideology, some kind of, you know, quite frankly, popular ideology about certain things. But he wants to, it's, he seems like the kind of guy, I don't know enough, but that would want to do that. And it'd be justified essentially yeah. On kind of ignorant grounds in in a way. You know, yeah. like it, no, it's it ju- so just ideologically, just just because we we're so tired of gay. You know, aren't yeah. we all just tired of that? So let's just undo that crap and then I I I did it. Like we did something. And well, it's like that's not what people some people wanted that, not everybody. That's not exactly right. That's not really when we get down to it what exactly people are really having such an issue with. Yeah, it's so interesting that you say that cuz that's what you should listen to the conversation. It's like so interesting because Jordan Peterson sort of like makes that point. He's like, well, he's like, one thing about a good leader is that they keep their head among crises because like crises are happening all the time. And he's like, and they don't get overreactive and use force and compulsion to compel people in the light, in light of a crisis. And he was sort of saying, you know, like, so how do you know that you aren't that person, essentially? Like someone who gets overly anxious about crises and gets overreactive to, toward the use of force and compulsion. And then he sort of like says some things that to me signal like you are exactly that kind of person. <laughs> like you are the person who's like, I mean, then he tells this story about like going to Russia and talking to Putin and being like, we know what you did in the election and it can't happen again. And he's like showing this as like a story of like, this is me setting my foot down, like America strong, America first. And I was like, but you don't know. Like partly what's difficult about that particular problem is that like you actually probably can't know um, whether like Russian government was involved. Like even if you could prove like, okay, someone hacked whatever, it's very unlikely, if not impossible to know who did it, where, who knew how, you know, was it coordinated and whatnot? And so it's like you have to approach the situation from a different angle. It can't be like we know what you did and we're ready to take you out on this false claim of like, you know, something just impossibly improvable, you know. And so I was like this is the kind of person who's like very ideologically driven, like where it's like you just have to act as if you have to act on principles. Like we don't know if that's true it might be true. It might not be true. But what's important? Like, what really matters in this situation? You know, Russia, you know, interfering in our elections is obviously a problem. But we can't just be making 
threats, literally what he was doing to Russia, like making threats and calling that like, this is a good idea, you know. This is me showing you how America is going to behave on the political stage, like making threats to people like Putin on claims that are just not provable. Like you don't even have the evidence to show Putin. Yeah. 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 And it's the same kind of thing with the whatever. I guess it's still part of the sexual revolution, whatever is happening with that stuff. It's like people are seeing the you know, uh, ongoing tertiary effects of the stuff, you know? So it's like, it all starts with, let's debate, let's talk about gay marriage. And then it became, let's talk about transgender bathrooms. Let's, and then it just, (laughs) it just spirals, you know, completely out of control. And some, there is a version of looking at that that makes sense to go, look, here's where, here's where this all stemming from. Like, this is where it all started. Like, let's just undo that stuff. But I think it's, that's just, that's just the story. That's what it, that's what was presented to us as. That's what it looked like happened, but that's not what happened. What happened was legislation was already writ, writ, where am I? Legislation was already written before any of that conversation even bubbled to the surface. It was ready immediately. You know, like, yeah. let's talk about transgender bathrooms. You know what? Here's a 400 page piece of legislation we just came up with. It's like, no, that took you three years. So that didn't just pop out of nowhere. And you have to, we have to like recognize that kind of thing. And I think that, uh, I think that's why maybe someone like Trump is more palatable over a, a pence. Like if you're looking at those, like that side of the aisle, you go, well, Trump is just going when I when he says what I want to hear, he's going, No, that's dumb. No, that's dumb. And that's what everyone else is saying. You know, and then he, he's mentioning the other things. Or whoever. Just name your person out there that's like Joe Rogan, whatever. They're they're saying they're like, yeah, they're saying things where I'm like, yeah, stop. Like, yeah, that oh yeah, that is having an effect on the kids. This is weird. We have had an explosion of this dysphoria or whatever the fuck it is now. With right, like which young Pence girls and boys, and about, yeah. So we're having all these things, and it's like we all are. I think anyone who's bothered by it is experiencing it, and I don't think anyone's like, if only we could just undo gay marriage. Yeah, like that's well, not. You too, know what I mean? It's like, yeah, he was talking about like Zelensky. Like he was like, I know Zelensky, and then like painting him as the war hero again, and it's like, and then Jordan Peele was trying to like push back on him, like, but what about the whole NATO thing where like Zelensky was like, let's be a part of NATO, and NATO was like, yeah, and then this whole like went back against the Monroe Doctrine or whatever doctrine of the United States policy that was like, we're not going to, you know, interfere with Russia, and we're not going to get close to their border because we didn't want them to have missiles in Cuba, so we're not going to put missiles in countries next to Russia. And suddenly we just abandoned that policy and Pence could say nothing about that. He was like, it's all Putin's fault. And then he painted Zelensky as a war hero. And you're like, what? Like you're like ignoring huge facts that led us to this His side doesn't even believe that anymore. Like that's not even like most Republicans that I encounter don't seem to even believe like they're like, yeah, not for the war stuff anymore. They're like, hey, leave Russia alone. Like just fix it handle it like we're done like we don't care stop that no one cares anymore no one wants that to be happening bring the money back bring the bombs back 
That's not our deal. Yeah. Did you hear the Tim Dillon too, where they like came out with this article in the New York Times where there was a, there was literally like Nazi memorabilia patches on the Ukrainian soldiers on the front lines. And they were like, we don't want, and they had to take it down because the picture had, it came down from the Ukrainian Minister of Defense, I think Twitter or something. And they were like, we don't want to be spreading Russian propaganda. And then Tim Dillon just goes like, if just pictures of the clothing of Ukrainian soldiers yeah, is propaganda, yeah. more's coming down the pike. <laughs> yeah, just you wait and see. That's which is an excellent point. And it's so unfortunate that it takes uh, irreverent, slobbish comedians to point out, you know, like his own self-description, you know, like some some basically deviant, like someone who is a deviant and and thinks they should be considered so has to be the one to go. Hello. Just wanted to pop in and mention something about this political situation and the geopolitical power that's quite strikingly obvious, you idiots. It's so like, crazy. It's so perfect. It's so perfect. It was yeah, so literally crazy. And it was just like it's like we've forgotten everything. And he was saying, yeah, they're calling it the situation in Russia or Ukraine thorny. <laughs> it's like we've known that yeah. forever. And all the people who got us involved in this conflict, it's their job to know this stuff. So it's unbelievable that this is like news. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous. It's, it's amazing. I mean, people just have to stay like vigilant. Yeah, and then Pence, too, he went even further to say, like, we haven't been supporting Ukraine enough. He's like, we've been slow to give them military equipment. I'm like, we've literally donated, like, a trillion dollars to Ukraine. Like, what are you talking about? We haven't given them enough aid. We don't even have a trillion dollars to give them. We gave them a trillion dollars of other people's money. Or of fake money that doesn't exist anyways. (laughs) We made the money, and then we gave it to them. Yeah, we're just inflating our own currency. Yeah, that's uh, that's a whole problem. But I love the so take, crazy. the insight that is so. That's why it's so great that it's so crazy now, because you can make these observations so easily, and they seem, and we're so crazy now. Like literally, we're mentally messed up. That those, that Jim Dillon can say, y- y- you're talking about their fashion, like literally the uniform, <laughs> and. We're like oh saying that it we're like their the Ukrainian uniforms, a picture of it is propaganda from the Russians. Literally, literally on a Ukrainian defense minister's uh, account. Right. Like it makes no sense. It makes no sense. The propaganda yeah, is so, calling the truth propaganda. Okay, it's what it's amazing. But that's why it's this. so great. Yeah, that's why it's so great because you can just you can just be like a really insightful genius with almost no effort at all just pointing out things that nobody's like everyone's totally what is the saying in the world in the the country of the blind of the blind the one-eyed man is king oh my god well with that i have to go but yes exactly yay Yay! <laughs> Yay! Podcast! <laughs> Propaganda! Everything we said is true. Oh, I get stopped.